0: Well, if you're um, joining us this morning and you've not been part of our study in Revelation so far, let me just remind you that this is part four uh, of a study of the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation. Part one, we look at the author, John. In part two, we look at a wonderful picture a wonderful revelation of the Lord Jesus in the second part of chapter one.
1: In Revelation
0: chapter two, we start the letters to the seven churches and last week we dealt with the church in Ephesus. And uh, this week we're coming to part four, the second church, the church in Smyrna. And this is Jesus speaking directly Into a church. The time is about AD 90. We're getting on for 60 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And the picture that John sees is of Jesus walking through his church. The resurrected, ascended Lord Jesus is walking through the churches. And he sees everything that's going on. And he has words of encouragement to bring to the church. And words of instruction and at times words of rebuke. So shall we get our Bibles? Uh, Even better, get your notepad and your pen and let's read. So it's Revelation, the last book in the Bible. It's chapter 2. And it's verse 8. To the angel of the church in Smyrna, write. These are the words of him who is the first and last, who died and who came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer I tell you the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for ten days be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you the crown of life he who has an ear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. Now I will dig deeper on Wednesday. I will deal with this passage as a whole. I will unpack things that I don't have time to do this morning. So please, please uh, go to our YouTube channel and look for Digging Deeper on the playlists and find Smyrna. And there I will be able to just fill you in with other things. But as always in this series, I want to fix on one particular thought. And here is the the thought. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet, You are rich. This is a rich church. I don't get the opportunity to visit many churches. Because it's my work day, because it's my ministry, unless I am preaching in another church, I am usually preaching in this church. So I don't get the opportunity to move round often. Maybe when I'm on holiday, Or if I was on a break, I would visit a church. Now, when you go to a new church, church you've not been to before, what is it that you are interested in? What is it that fascinates you? Uh, Are you interested in the sort of people that are there? Are you interested in the sort of fabric, uh, the sort of appearance that it has? Are you interested in the type of worship or what kind of preaching? Well, let me, let me let you into a little secret. Um, when I visit a new church, one of the things that interests me is what kind of a sound desk do they have? What kind of a sound system? Now, I've been brought up in music and the world of recording and all of that, so I'm interested in these things. What kind of sound desk? What kind of presentation software are they using when they project their songs and their their videos and whatnot? What kind of a website are they operating? What kind of a social media setup do they have? Even to the point of looking at the notices, um, do they publicize them and what does their bulletin look like? Now all of that might be a bit of a what I'd call an anorak to you, but that's the kind of thing. And I wonder whether, subconsciously, I am saying to myself, "Is this a going places church? Is this a prosperous church? Is this a rich church?" I could well be asking myself that question and yet, as yet, I may not have met a single member of the church. The worship hasn't even started, the preacher hasn't preached, and yet I've already formed in my mind something of what kind of a church is this? What does a rich church look like anyway? I suppose I would like Harvest to be a rich church. But what is rich anyway? Well, we're in the unique position this morning in that Jesus addresses this directly. He tells us what a rich church looks like. I know your afflictions and your poverty yet you are rich that verse i cannot tell you how much joy that brings to my soul Uh, i think over a long pastoral ministry to various churches that i have visited
1: And if they had asked
0: me, what's our church like? I would have loved to be able to tell them. I want to tell you guys, you are rich. You are rich. You say, well, we we don't feel rich. You are rich. We don't have much. You are rich. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. You see, Jesus has turned the whole thing on its head interesting if you've got your Bible go to chapter 3 we'll just skip ahead go to chapter 3 do you see 3.14 it says to the church in Laodicea go down there to verse 17 3.17 you say that's the church in Laodicea you say i am rich i have acquired wealth i don't need a thing ah you've got the digital automatic sound desk you've got the best presentation software you've got amazing social media skills your website is second to none i've acquired wealth i don't need a thing But you don't realise that you're wretched pitiful poor blind and naked. Wow. Wow. Jesus says to the church in Smyrna you are rich. What's happening here? This is The son of man. This is the living one of chapter one. Whose eyes are flaming fire. He's looking into this church. And he's looking at them. On the inside. See man looks on the outside. That's what Samuel was told. When he went to appoint a new king. Following Saul. God said to him. Man looks on the outside. But God looks on the inside. That's what's happening here. The Lord of the flaming fire, with eyes like flaming fire, was penetrating into the inside. And he was saying, hey, you're rich. We call this kingdom evaluation. We're talking this morning about kingdom wealth. And I want to just briefly give you some tips about kingdom wealth. And you might see them, if you're lucky, on the screen. First of all, kingdom wealth is not measured in money, but maturity. Kingdom wealth is not measured in cash. It's not measured In money, how rich are you? If you're a believer asking that question, it's got nothing to do with your bank balance, it's got nothing to do with fat wallets. There is a heinous gospel called the prosperity gospel, and it's a gospel that says, if you come to Christ in broad terms. If you come to Christ and if you put him first in your life, you will have a fat wallet. It's a heinous gospel. It's like Paul would say in Galatians, this is not a true gospel. This is not the gospel I preach to you. Kingdom wealth is not measured in money. It's measured in maturity. Let me give you a couple of scriptures the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs that's 1 timothy 6 10 notice it doesn't say money is a root of all evil it says the love of money so don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with earning money. In fact, if the Lord prospers you in that area such that you have a lot of money, uh, then you have a lot of potential to bless kingdom work. And I know that many of you do. There's nothing wrong with prospering, but let me tell you, your richness as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is not measured at west. It's measured by your maturity. The writer to the Hebrews 13 verse 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Don't miss that. Be content with what you have. It's one of the secrets to peace in your life. Just to be content with what you have yes maybe you're saying Lord I would like a little bit more Lord I would like to go a little bit further Lord I'd like to reach a little bit higher but be content with what you have because God has said I will never leave you nor will I forsake you I'm here I'm with you what more could you want so, kingdom wealth is about maturity. Kingdom wealth is not measured in ability, it's measured in availability. Let me show you what I mean. Here's Luke 9: 5,000 hungry men, and one boy brings five loaves and two fish what use is that that is a poor contribution to this problem you are not able to feed 5000 people ah but Jesus says it's not about ability it's about availability we are now food rich We are now food surplus. We've got too much. There are going to be, after all of them have eaten, 5,000 men plus women and children, there are going to be 12 baskets of leftover food. You see, wealth is not about ability, it's about availability. Here's the poor widow's last penny. Mark 12, her last penny, she puts it into the offering. What difference will that make? In the big picture, what difference will one pence make? It will make a big difference, says Jesus, because do you know what? It was her last one pence. She has made that available that last widow's mite will become an explosive blessing in that treasury i prophesy that last mite that the, the widow has given will become an explosive blessing in that widow's heart i guarantee it it's evidence that she has already caught something that many of us miss it's not about ability it's about availability exodus 4 Moses what's that in your hand well it's a staff but what can a staff do i've got to get my people out of pharaoh's grasp I've got to lead hundreds of thousands of people out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land and all I've got to use is a staff. Yes, says God, but it's available. That staff is a Red Sea dividing staff. I speak over that stuff, the ability to part sees, and it's available. So, kingdom wealth has more to do with availability than ability. What do you have to make available to God? Kingdom wealth is not measured by persecution but by perseverance what do i mean by that jesus says i know your afflictions and the word for affliction can just as easily be translated persecution and probably persecution was a better word i know your persecutions but you're rich this is a church in trouble they must surely Be doing something wrong churches are not meant to be in trouble churches are full of overcomers churches are full of men and women of faith they must be doing something wrong no you see when things go bad for a believer have things gone bad for you When things go bad for a believer, sometimes it's because they've been darn right stupid. Things have gone wrong for me because I've been stupid. Because I've been rebellious. Because I've been sinful. Because I didn't listen to God. But hear me. Some of the worst things that have happened in my life was because I was doing something right. Because I was doing something good. Because I was listening to God and being obedient to him and everything started to go wrong. Or more precisely, sometimes when things go bad, It's because God is working out His glorious purpose in the world. He's doing stuff in your life. He's doing stuff in the world that you're not aware of. Wow. If Joseph hadn't gone through the stuff that he went through, Joseph and his technical or dream coat, if he hadn't gone through that stuff, there'd be no Jesus. The rest of Old Testament history would have fallen apart. But you see, people meant it for bad, but God meant it for good. Smyrna, it's about to get worse. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Lord, you've just said we are rich. Could we not stand against Satan? Yes, by all means, stand against Satan. Lord, could you not hold back Satan? Yes, I could. Well, why don't you? It's not part of my plan. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You know, Pam uh, brought it to us this morning that the devil, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested, to be tempted by the devil. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Why 10 days? You need to dig deeper. (laughs) Kingdom wealth is not measured by persecution, but by perseverance. Kingdom wealth is measured in faithfulness. Be faithful even to the point of death. According to your faithfulness will be your success God's faithfulness is a given. Your blessings are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. But wealth, true wealth, stems from our faithfulness. In fact, true wealth is faithfulness. Well done. Well done, you good and faithful servant kingdom wealth is measured in generosity let me read you this from 2 corinthians 8 brothers and sisters we want you to know about the grace that god has given the macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial persecution their overflowing joy joy in the midst of persecution and their extreme poverty. There it is again. Persecution and poverty. Welled up in rich generosity. So the equation that I've got as a mathematician is this. Trials plus joy plus poverty equals rich generosity. Wow, Macedonians, you are rich kingdom wealth is measured in faith believe me church believe me those who overcome will not be hurt at all by the second death there is a second death that awaits the human race outside of Christ they die once they die twice every believer short of the Lord coming again dies once never To die again. Those who overcome, come on, Smyrna, you're rich. You can overcome, will not be hurt by the second death. So, church, what does the Lord say to us this morning? He says if you concentrate on maturity, if you concentrate on availability, if you hone in on perseverance, If you cultivate faithfulness, if you exercise generosity, if you live in faith, you will be, you are rich. Let's pray. Let's pray. Uh, Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, how I would love your son to speak over Harvest Church. You are rich. Father, I pray for all the flock that I oversee, for every individual member of that flock, and I pray for myself. And I ask you, Lord, that we might be obedient to your word, that we might put these principles into action, that we would be more concerned about the wallet of our heart and what is in there than the wallet in our pockets and what is in there. And that, God, you would say, I am pleased with you, I am pleased with you. You are rich. Help us, each one of us, Father, to be rich in Christ, in Jesus' name. Amen.